Greetings from Covenant Community of LJ, Georgia. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these messages God has provided to our fellowship from His Word. May He bless you richly as you seek Him. We'd like to invite you to be with us in person someday soon. And for information on that, visit us at covenantcommunitylj.com. And now, let's open up God's Word. They tried to pray and pick the songs that they believe Lord's laid on their heart that are in harmony with what we have been doing. Uh, for those of you who are visiting, and the rest of you would be in Colossians uh, chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, we've been preaching through the book of Colossians. And uh, today, we just want to, uh, as we read there, focus on uh, some things that will help us in our walk with the Lord. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength. My Redeemer, I pray that today you would be magnified, God our Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, that you would be uh, intensified in our lives. We were created for your pleasure. We were created to glorify you and to enjoy you forever. Help us to be passionate in heart, pursuing after knowing you. And all that you desire to be in us and through us. Thank you that it's not dependent on me. Uh, but it is accomplished through faith in you. And I just pray that you would minister to us today in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, I got a, a reading was sent to me. A friend of mine sends me readings. And this one came to me this week. And I think it's worth sharing with you. Uh, Paul told Timothy, continue in the things which you have learned. Why is it that we can be open to truth but still walk in darkness, not having victory in key areas? Often it's because we fail to continue in the light that first brought us into the awareness of God's redemptive plan. Simple faith in Him. Not faith in a church, not faith in a preacher, not faith, faith in Jesus Christ, God's only Son. God himself. Spiritual darkness encroaches when we grow indifferent to him. You know, those of you that have been married a long time, it is easy to become careless. It is easy to not notice. It is easy not to be grateful. Uh, I mean, yeah, the washing's done. Isn't it done every week? Well, did it happen by accident? No. Did that food get on the table hot and good by accident? No. Uh, we need to be people who are aware. And sometimes we become very careless before God thinking that we deserve something good. Uh, we deserve nothing good from him. If we got what we deserved, we'd be in big trouble. Praise God for his kindness, his love, his mercy towards us. But sometimes we become indifferent. And it can be so subtle that we're unaware of it happening through the most imperceptible means. So first, there needs to be a shift, uh, or there can be a shift from devotion to performance. You can move from being devoted and passionate about him to just 
performing. You know, I've told you before, you can have a uh, dutiful wife and she meets you at the door, gives you a kiss, says the kids are fed, supper's on the table, house is clean, clothes are washed, that, uh, hi. Uh, well, did all the right things, said all the right things, but there's no heart in it. You know, when we do uh, forms uh, in tournaments, I tell the young people, one of the things as you're doing that, you know, you're, you're supposed to be in a fight. Don't just go. Man, you're supposed to be fighting for your life. There's going to be passion there. There's going to be excitement there. They've got to feel something coming out of you. God says, love me with all your heart. That's what he's longing for, looking for. And searching, scanner, over Covenant Community, over Gilmer County, over the world. Somebody who loves me with all their heart, soul, and mind, and then lets my love shine out. So we can shift from devotion to performance, just moving from trusting Jesus to work in us to dependence on what we do for him. You ever done that? Don't raise your hand. You know, where you get to feel, oh, well, of course I'm good. And of course God should do that for me. And, uh, 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 uh. Secondly, a gradual change from devotion to convenience. We lose our commitment to the honor of Christ regardless of the cost. We make excuses and get stuck in our fleshly ways. Well, everybody does that. And if she hadn't done this, I wouldn't have done that. And if he hadn't done that, I wouldn't have said that. And we start accepting the unacceptable. Well, I got, I got angry. You make me mad. Well, if you hadn't got madness in you, how can it come out of you? Maybe God's trying to show you something's in there that you need to deal with. We move from devotion to convenience. We just start accepting things and letting them slide. And then the third thing is a move from repentance to a tolerance of sin. Now, of course, we call it nice names. Uh, let me see. Somebody bring me my black bag, Pete. Please, I forgot one little thing in there. That's all right. John's got it. Okay, Sally's got it. Good. She's barefooted, too. So she's going to be faster than you are. Thank you, John. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate it. Um, so, a move from repentance to a tolerance of sin. As our love and commitment to Jesus uh, wanes, uh, it's, it becomes easier to settle into our sins instead of rejecting them. Such shifts always frustrate our growth. So examine your life and make sure that you haven't strayed from your simple faith in what God says. Then you'll be certain to continue in his light and take hold of the victory he has for you. The prayer is, Lord Jesus, please identify the areas where I have strayed so I can continue to walk in your light. Uh, amen. Adrian Rogers says, Jesus desires the preeminence in our life. He deserves the preeminence in our life and he demands preeminence in our life. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And you say, well, 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 well I'm a Christian. You can still have something that is... The Bible says covetousness or greed which is idolatry. If you're greedy. Now, uh, how many of you have been in church more than 10 years? Anybody ever seen church discipline performed in church? Fewer. Anybody ever seen discipline for covetousness? No. I mean, it's easy to pick on adultery, easy to pick on drunkenness and getting high on drugs, but 
picking on covetousness. I know I'm meddling here, and, and really I'm talking about the people in those other churches, not here for, <laughs> obviously, those, those other people. But, you know, if you've got all your credit cards maxed out, if you're buying stuff you don't need to impress people you don't even like, uh, you're guilty of covetousness, greed, and that's idolatry. That's offensive to God. God says... I, I don't want you to do those things, not because it just makes me mad and I just don't like it. No, because it's deadly in our lives. Jesus desires, deserves, and demands preeminence in our lives. Thank you for doing all that over there, Jade. Uh, so Colossians 3, uh, verse 1 says, Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking those things which are above. Everybody say seeking. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. Everybody say set. set. So we're going to seek those things that are above. We're going to set our mind on things that are above. And then uh, when Christ, verse uh, 3, uh, says, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And you know, Eric has been showing us that demonstration of the containers within the containers within the containers. Satan can't get to you unless he goes through God and Jesus first, unless you're silly and open the door and let him in. You know, uh, I told you last week, I was over in Africa there and I saw, I came to a whole new respect for lions and I'm already terrified of them. Uh, I mean, I saw a lion come from like the, the door going into the kitchen there to an antelope here in just one and two, boom, down, choke him out, and he dies. I mean, it was a tawny blur coming across there, and I just watched it. I mean, if you'd been standing outside the Jeep, you would not got in the Jeep in time. Too late. One good tourist, gone. And lions like white meat. So there you go. So, I mean, the, 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 the people tell you, don't get out of the car. It's dangerous. I mean, just there. Uh, dangerous. Um, let me do this so we don't fight with this thing. Oh, me. Sorry. Let me take it off and I can yell loud enough to talk to Bo back there. Set your minds on things above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died. You've died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also be revealed with him in glory. In other words, he's already in glory. He's already shining in the angels, worshiping him. He's already there. We just can't see into that dimension. There are times when he appears. There are times that he comes and lets people see a bit of his glory. He told Moses, you can't see my whole glory and survive. But he says, you can see uh, some of my glory. And when one of these days, Christ is going to open up the heavens and we will be with him in glory. He says, one of these days, he's going to do that now. We are not people who live an escapist life saying, well, this is this miserable world and I'm just a hero and I'm undefeated. And then one of these days I'm going to heaven and it'll all be all right. No, we're to live in victory here in Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
and then we are, now that doesn't mean everything's go well, we're in a battle, we're in a war. There are things that happen that we don't understand, things that happen that we don't like, but God is real, he is not way off, he's right here, his foot is on the earth uh, as his footstool, and the angels all around him are our servants, Hebrews chapter 1 says, we should be living, thinking about heaven, not just thinking of all oh, those golden streets. Won't it be nice when I get there? All oh, those pretty walls, all those different stones, all oh, those giant pearly gates. Won't it be nice when I get there? But until then, it's misery. And walk with the slumped shoulders, my lip dragging the ground, and it's just bad. It's bad. I got my cross to bear. No, that's not supposed to be our attitude. We're not supposed to be like that. Yes, we're going to have troubles. Yes, we're going to have sorrow. But we are to deny ourselves. We are to take up our cross daily. We are to follow him. And we are to be more and more conformed to the image of Christ. Jesus says, Romans, my mother's favorite verses, Romans 8, 28 and 29. We know, you can say it with me if you want to. For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And then verse 29 goes with 28. For whom he did foreknow, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he could be the firstborn among many brethren. For God so loved Jesus, he decided to make a bunch more just like him. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. He wants to make you just like Jesus here and now. And guess what? He's got him a hammer and a chisel. And he's chipping some of that stuff off. He's got some bellows and he's heating up the fire to get rid of some of that slag. And guess what that heat is? My husband. <laughs> my wife. My children. My boss. State patrolman. <laughs> getting on to Leadfoot. Uh, you know, we have troubles everywhere you know pressures but god bumps you so that what you're full of comes out and then when it comes out you can be honest she made me mad no she brought out the madness that you're full of couldn't come out if it wasn't there jesus we want to be more and more like you we want to be the kind of person you would be in that situation in in that place well, Jesus never met her. Jesus never knew him. Oh, created them and loves them. Amen. So he wants us to be walking in a new kind of love. He desires, he deserves, and he demands preeminence in our lives. And when we give him that, Jesus is not a way. John 14, 6 says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. He is our Life. So the first thing you can just put down there from verse 1 is seek those things which are above. And it's not just imagining golden streets and pearly, you know, pretty walls and pearly gates. It is imagining, because God's word says it, that Jesus is seated at the throne of God and that he is ruling and reigning. He has all authority in heaven, all authority on earth. He has myriads of angels that are there serving him and serving us and that there is nothing in this life that he doesn't know about and can't be involved in and control. Amen? So what's your problem today? What's your pressure today? What is it that you think can't happen today? Sally was just telling, you know, we're looking up there at that big building. We, we've got that. We see God's hand. I remember walking into Ed's office one day and he said, guess what just happened to me on his job there? 
And we had prayer. And then God started a process, didn't he? Yesterday, I had a couple guys from Promised Land were down here working. We had a great time working together. And on the way home, talked about the stuff that we'd seen through uh, that Promised Land had. And now Promised Land is a refuge for many men to help them come into a walk with God. What a wonderful thing. But there's going to be struggle in life. There's going to be trouble in life. Seek those things which are above. Keep your heart focused on Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. He left heaven. He came to earth. He lived a sinless life. He died a sinless death. He rose again from the dead with victory over death and the grave. And he is my Lord and master. I was a slave to sin. I was helpless and hopeless and doomed and damned and headed to hell. But Jesus came and rescued me. And through faith in him, faith in his righteousness, faith in who he is, I am a transformed person. And God says the devils, they can come and accuse you. They say, guess what Steve did? Guess what Susie did? They owe you. Nope. Paid in full. Paid in full. Paid. They can accuse you and they can grumble about you all they want to. It's paid in full. Now, let's, we've been transferred into God's family. Let's walk worthy of him. So seek those things which are above. Set your mind on things above. Set your mind. Set it. You know, when I get in the airplane, uh, you know, uh, Jim back there, pilot those huge uh, 747s, great big things. When I climb on them now, I always think of you. I say, just think, imagine having command of 500 tons of stuff and 300 or 400 people on this plane. And you're responsible when you put that plane down that it doesn't go through spinning around there and kill everybody. Uh, but he sets his compass. He sets his instruments and he sets them to go in a direction. It's not because you feel like doing something. Set your mind on Jesus Christ. Set your mind to please him and to make him happy. And then verse 5 says, Consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Verse 8, now you also put them all aside. Put this off, anger. And then when anger carries on, it becomes wrath. It gets deeper. And then when wrath goes on, uh, one person says wrath or, or malice is congealed anger. You know what congealed is, right? Jello, you know. It's anger that has settled in. All I'm living for is to get you back. That's malice. I'm thinking of a way to hurt you. Put them aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander. Speaking evil of somebody. Speaking badly of somebody to people. First of all, it's untrue. And then secondly, to people, it, it doesn't even matter to. And then abusive speech from your mouth. Except at the Hardy's red light. <laughs> Anybody guilty of abusive speech at the red light sometimes? I'll meet you there in a while. <laughs> we'll deal with that. Don't lie to each other. You've put aside the old self with its evil practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed to true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Listen, when Adam sinned, when Adam chose to do a simple thing, eat a piece of fruit that God had said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's some things you don't need to know. Don't do it. The day you do it, you'll die. You'll experience a separation from him. 
You know, when you're saved, the Holy Spirit is inside you, bonded with your spirit. It's like the ingredients of a biscuit cooked together. You have the Holy Spirit in you, and He uh, is more and more ruling and reigning and directing in your life, making you more and more like Jesus. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned, when Adam made that willful choice, the Bible says, in Adam all die. All die. Everybody say all. All die. He brought an infection into us that gives us a heart bias away from God. You don't have to teach children to not love God. You don't have to teach children to do evil. It is there. Even your kids. Sweet little cherubs that they are. They have a sinful heart that goes away from God. And that is the way we are. So uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, in the light of all he's done for you, present your body, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service in the light of what he's done for you. It's just reasonable that you do that. And don't be conformed to this world. Don't be like jelly poured into mold. Be being transformed. Be being changed to become more and more like Jesus. So here, Colossians 3, 10 says, put on the new self, which is being renewed, made back, restored to what it should be, to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Now, I've got a syringe here, and if I had this syringe full of uh, permanent ink, black, and then I took it and just went, shh, you'd say, ah, that's a pretty shirt, don't do that. And then you take and do, shh. When you sin, when you sin, sin is like a stain that gets onto you, and it soaks in and it affects you have this scripture in your mind Ecclesiastes young people and not as young people Ecclesiastes 12 verse 1 says remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near when you say I have no pleasure in them. remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come you know I've talked to so many people through my life as, as a, before a pastor and as a pastor. Miserable because of the choices they've made through life. Choose now to make Jesus your Lord. Choose now to love him. We are not about legalistic rules. We're about passionate love for Jesus Christ and what pleases him by the power of the Holy Spirit for his glory. And when you will choose and pursue that, oh, so much unnecessary pain is ruled out of your life. So seek those things that are above. Seek Christ's rule and reign in your life. Set your mind on things above and slay, mortify, kill your self-directed, independent, self-righteous, self-selfish way of life. Sin is like a stain, a permanent ink, but sin is also like acid. If I had this stainless steel and it was full of acid and I went onto there, you say, don't do that, don't do that. Because not only would it hit in my shirt and start eating into there, it would eat and keep eating and eating and eating, and it would eventually get to my skin and start eating and eating and eating. Sin is like a stain. Sin is like an acid eating into your life, eating into your mind, your will, your emotions, and it is damaging to you. God says, stay away from wrath. Anger, malice, slander, and abusive speech. Stay away from... Uh, up in verse 5. 
immorality. Count yourself as dead to that. Impurity. In your words and thoughts. Passion. Violent emotions and actions in the wrong way. Evil desire and greed, which amounts to idolatry. You know, if sin is like a fierce, malignant, highly contagious, deadly disease. And if you saw your child playing with a syringe full of that particular virus and getting ready to just go, oh, like, what would you do? You would die for them, screaming out, don't do it, don't do it, no, no, no. You would be grabbing their trying to prevent them from doing that, from destroying their life. When God tells us don't sin, listen, listen, even if you don't know what a sin is, it's still a sin. Gravity is still gravity whether you understand gravity or not. Gravity will still hurt you whether you believe in gravity or not. Now, if you know the principle of aerodynamics, you can overcome gravity. You've got to have thrust. You've got to have the, the other principles in place and you can fly above gravity, but it's still pulling on you. Sin is still pulling on your life. And sin, if you allow it to, will destroy your life. I would just like you to uh, look at John 14, verses 1 through 6 with me. Let's take a quick little scamper through encouraging scriptures in our life. John 14. Jesus knew what was going to happen. He had been telling the disciples what was going to happen, but they didn't really listen, even his mama didn't understand what was going to happen. But listen to Jesus in John 14, 1. Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, listen, we're talking about the place that he's prepared for us, are many dwelling places, many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. Uh, I went down Mrs. Beck, uh, Regina and Jelena know her. Anybody else know Ms. Beck? Anyway, she was a wonderful, yeah, uh, Linda. She was a wonderful giving lady, just generous to her last day. Uh, and went down to her funeral and uh, her daughter, uh, when I called her daughter-in-law, she said, well, I just found out that she didn't even want a funeral. She doesn't want anything. What do I do? And I said, ah, she's such a nice person. She'll forgive you anyway. And she's in heaven, so she has to. She has to be nice. So we went down. There were ashes in a box. And I thought there might be just three of us. But there's 23, 25 people there. And so her son said something. Her other son said something. He says, well, anybody got something you want to say? And they're ready to dismiss. I said, no, 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 no. I said, I got something to say. I said, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I said, as she began to get weak, as she began to draw her last breath, God said, oh, get, get her room ready. Get the gates open. Open up. Hey, everybody, everybody, Doris is coming home. She's coming. She's leaving there weak, but she's coming in strong. She's leaving there sad. She's coming in here with joy. She's leaving there maybe with some disturbance, but she's coming here to eternal peace. Get ready, get ready. And, and the whole room could just feel that and react with that. And we just rejoice together at the wonderful hope that we have in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, I have prepared a place to you. And if I prepare a place for you, one of these days I'm coming back and I'm going to receive you to myself uh, that where I am, you can be also. And you know the way and where I'm going. Thomas said, I don't know. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father but 
through me. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 real quick. Hebrews 12. We're going to scamper through here. Then we're going to Revelation. And I just want you, uh, you're blessed to have it on the screen. But I hope that you know where to find it in your Bible as well. Hebrews. Chapter 12. You know, little pictures of heaven that God gives us. If he told us what it was really like, we'd never go to the doctor again. We'd never, we wouldn't be good for much here. Uh, Hebrews 12. Verse 22. You aren't at Mount Sinai, he says in verse 20 and 21, which is terrifying there. As God came down in fire on top of that mountain and gave his commands. And he says, but you have come to Mount Zion. To the city of the living God. Not the Jerusalem here on earth. The heavenly Jerusalem. The heavenly Jerusalem into myriads of angels. Myriads. You know, when I think of myriads, it's like I told you all earlier. It's like the gnats in South Georgia. I mean, just swarms of them. Those neosteam everywhere. But these are wonderful angels of God. Powerful angels of God. Servants of God for us. You have come to the general assembly. The church of the firstborn. Who's that? Anybody raise your hand if you're part of that. Who's the church of the firstborn? We are. Well, raise your hand then. Okay, good. I was hoping there were some of you here. All right. Uh, we are the church of the firstborn, enrolled in heaven. There's a new name written down in glory. And to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of righteous men, made perfect, brought into God's presence. And we've come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood which speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Abel died, and that was just his blood, but the blood of Jesus Christ, because he was God, come in the flesh, was worth more than all the people of all time. And through faith in him, we are made children of God. Now turn with me to uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Now you may say, what in the world has this got to do with seated with Christ in the heavenly places? I just want you to get a little image of what it's like in heaven. Because if we are in fact in the throne room of God. If we are in fact in the presence of angels all around us praising God. If we are in fact of the saints of all ages praising God, glorifying God, knowing Him. I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to fight with you about how far away heaven is, but he says, heaven is my throne, the heavens and the earth is my footstool. To me, that just means his foot's here and I'm mighty close. All right. And he's in charge of the world. Look here at Revelation chapter three, verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, right? Now, my opinion about these churches is these churches are all Typical churches of churches all through the centuries. There's churches who are like this church, lukewarm churches. There's churches like other churches, red hot. Uh, churches in North Korea, you got to be red hot. In China, you got to be red hot. It's either in or out there. It's not played. But here, he says to the angel of the church in Laodicea, the amen, the yes, Jesus says, the faithful and true word of God, the beginning of the creation of God, the or the, the, the source of the creation of God says this. I know your deeds. That you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. In other words, he says, I wish that you were either a snowball or a fireball. But if you're not going to be, then next verse, I'll make you a spitball. So because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. As a church, you're useless to me. You're not in or out. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And 
You do not know your real condition, that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by the fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you uh, may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I said to anoint your eyes so that you can see the way you really are. Verse 19, those whom I love, he says, I reprove to correct you for your good and I discipline. Therefore, be zealous. Get excited, get energetic, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice, are you hearing his voice today? Are you hearing him speak to your heart today? You don't have to understand everything about it. If the doctor says you're sick, I need to do surgery, and you trust him, what do you say? Yes, sir, when's it going to be done? Let's go. God, who looks at your heart, is he speaking to you? Say yes to him. He says, if you will open the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant him to sit down with me on my throne. As I also have overcome, sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Are we a church? We're a body of believers set here to worship him. He is speaking to the churches. He knows the heart of the church. You are a part of the church. Chapter 4. After these things, he said, I looked and a door was standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard sounded like the sound of a trumpet speaking to me and said, Come up here, John, and I'll show you what must take place after these things. And immediately, he says, I was in the spirit and behold, there was a throne standing in the heavens and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone. And I told you a while ago, those, the, you know, that, that's browns and reds and all kinds of beautiful colors in that spectrum. And a sardius in, in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. In other words, you have all of the colors of the rainbow shimmering out, living colors coming out from that throne. And around the throne, there were 24 thrones. And upon those thrones sat 24 elders, leaders uh, uh, of days gone by, sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. And out of the throne came flashes of light. And sounds and peals of thunder. Oh, thunder rolling, rolling. And the seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne. Which are the seven spirits of God. Seven in the Bible is the, the number of perfection. So here's the spirit of God moving before the throne. Light and there. And behold the throne. Uh, before the throne there was something like a sea of glass out there. Not just a little puddle. Not just a little pond. A sea of glass out before that throne. And here's majesty there. And here's the, the, the colors bursting out. Cascading out from the throne. Here's lightning flashes popping. Here's thunder rolling. And the majestic creator of the universe sitting there. Not just mad. Loving you. Loving me and he was sitting there the 24 elders the, uh, the, the seven lamps of fire verse 6 and there was a throne before the throne there was something like a sea of glass like crystal and in the center and around the throne four living creatures that God has made full of eyes in front and behind and the first creature was like a lion the second one like a calf the third like had the face like a man and the fourth like a flying eagle and the four living creatures each one of them having six wings there's two on the top to go up two on the back to go back and forth Two on the bottom, maybe. Now, that's just my imagination. So they can go up and down, go here and there. They had six wings and full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they don't stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty. There is no power above His. Who was, 
always has been, is, and always will be, who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, and they don't do it like this, oh, glory to Jesus, oh, glory to God. No, they're shouting out, there's lightning popping, thunder roaring, holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, oh, you're absolutely pure, you're absolutely beautiful, you're absolutely incredibly wise, I can never know the depths of your wisdom, never know the depths of your understanding, I can never sound the depths of your love, it's too wide, too deep, too high, too low, too wide, can't get right, your love, just your love is amazing. And they're there worshiping him loudly and joyfully worshiping before him. God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then the living creatures, verse 9, uh, give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne. To him who lives forever and ever. And the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne. And they worship him who lives forever and ever. And he, they cast their crowns before him and said, there's nothing more valuable than you. The most precious thing I have, I give to you. And they keep saying, worthy. You know, we were saying that at the beginning, singing that song, Worthy. I was so glad to have it. But, oh, I hope that if we sang that again, that you would be singing Worthy loud. Worthy, worthy are you, Lord. You're worthy to receive honor. You're worthy to receive praise. You're worthy to receive glory. Yeah, you can go ahead and come up, Joel. You can come up and get ready to do that song. You're worthy. And eh, eh, verse 11, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And because of your will, they exist. And we're created. Go over to uh, chapter 5, verses 8 through 14. Chapter 5. And it says, When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one having holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break the seals, for you were slain, and you purchased for God with your blood, your life, from every tribe, every tongue, and people, and nation. And you have made them into a kingdom and priests to our God. And they will reign. Listen, we're, we're going to heaven, but the heaven's coming down. And we will be ruling on the earth. There's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth. And it's going to be back the way God wanted it to be in the beginning. He is going to restore it. And he's going to restore it in triumph and victory. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. And the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and every created thing which is in heaven and earth and under the earth and in the sea and all the things I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the living creatures kept saying, Amen, yes, Amen, yes, Amen, yes. And the elders fell down and worshiped. And I have several more that we can read in Revelation, but I want us to sing also. Let me just say uh, that as Paul talked to these uh, Colossians, he said, look, you started out in chapter one, he talked about their faith, their love, and their hope. We live here on this earth not with an escapist attitude. Some people say, well, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Well, I'll tell you the problem with the church, they're so earthly minded, they're no heavenly good. They're not looking for heaven, not there. They just hope that if there is a heaven, that they're not going to hell and they want to go there. But it's not a love for Jesus. And this is why we're studying the book of Colossians. 
We want to come to a newer, deeper, fuller love for Jesus. I need to love Jesus more. You need to love Jesus more. He says, he who loves me keeps my commandments. But we're not a legalistic church that says, well, if you obey enough commands, uh, don't do this. Don't, 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 don't. That'll make, no. Love Jesus. If you love him, Augustine said, if you love him with all your heart, soul, and mind, do whatever you want to. Because if you love him, you're not going to commit adultery. If you love him, you're not going to lie. If you love him, you're not going to steal. If you love him, you're going to live to please him. I have some other things to say, but let me just let you know in Philippians chapter 3 how Paul took this. Philippians chapter 3. He says, I thought I was doing good. I thought I was on the track. I was running every stop sign I could see. He said, thinking I'd show the Lord a shortcut, and I found out he don't need no help from me. He said, then I suddenly came to see, and I realized that my tribe, my nation, my rituals, my ideas, all of those things that I was doing were useless. And he says, whatever things were gained to me, these I've counted loss for the sake of Christ. I love him so much. More than that, I count all things to be loss. There's no relationship. There's no religion. There's no possession. There's nothing that I would trade for knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. I lost my reputation, lost my family, lost my position, lost everything, and I count them all but, King James says, dumb, but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law by doing a bunch of good works, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, so that I can know Him. I want to know Him. I don't want anything between me and him. No sin is worth trading the full presence and power and joy of knowing Jesus and the power that raised him from the dead. There is no greater power than that. And the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to be a partner with him in everything that he wants me to be in so that I can be conformed to his death so that I can attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul said, one of these days, Jesus is coming. So as we leave today, If you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking those things which are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things on this earth. Don't set your mind and your heart on that. Verse 5, consider the members of your body dead. Slay the impurity, the passion, evil desire, greed, uh, lying, anger, wrath, malice, slander, pride, abusive speech from your... Get rid of all of those things. Put them off and put on. Jesus Christ and love him with all your heart, soul, and mind by the power of the Spirit for his glory. Lord Jesus, all through your word, we read in the beginning, you created everything and it was good. Sin came into this world. Our father Adam chose to disobey you, chose to bring evil into this world and our hearts became biased and infected and diseased and antagonistic to you, but thank you that you came. Jesus died for our sins, rose again from the dead. Through faith in him, 
our spirit is restored. Your Holy Spirit comes into us and we're able to live a life loving you, serving you, experiencing love, joy, peace, transformation, reconciliation with you, living a life here to please you, and then one of these days coming to meet you where you are, and then living forever through eternity in the new heaven and the new earth, serving you to do what we can only begin to imagine. Thank you for that great hope. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be individuals, be families, and be a church that loves you with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and our neighbors ourselves. Today, as uh, we sing this last song, it's a prayer, it's a declaration. I hope that you'll sing it from your heart. If you need to make some kind of response, I always invite you. There's a cross there. If you need to do something there to come and just kneel and tell Jesus how much you love him. But you can respond to him right where you are. Respond to him the way that he speaks to you. Do what he says, when he says it, how he said it. Amen. He is Lord. And I hope that you leave from this place with a new joy. Heaven is not way off. Heaven is around us. Jesus is in charge and he's involved with all the big things of the earth, but the smallest things in your life. So let's sing together. We want to thank you one more time for taking the time to listen to these messages that God's provided our fellowship. We believe he's doing something special among us and would love for you to be a part of it. We hope that you'll take the time to come and visit us in person someday soon. And we invite you to visit our website, covenantcommunitylj.com. There you'll find information on how to contact us if you have a prayer request or if there's a specific way we can minister to you and your family. Until then, God bless you.